Greetings, Seamheads. This is Anilo Piro of MileHighSports.com coming at you from the Mile High Sports Studio offices in downtown Denver, Colorado, with the latest edition of the 20th and Blake podcast, a Colorado Rocky-centric podcast presented by MileHighSports.com. Um, this episode, we're going to be talking about really the Rocky starting rotation. Um, we're we're going to be over the course of the next few days, we're going to just preview some of the key components of this Rockies team as spring training or as, uh, excuse me, as opening day starts to close in here about a week away now. Um, definitely going to be an exciting season overall for these Colorado Rockies. And, you know, there's really a lot to dive into about the complexion of this team, what they're made of, where they might end up. Um, what do they need to do to get back to the postseason for the third consecutive season, which is something that they have never done in franchise history. So we're going to be diving deep into the Colorado Rockies starting rotation in this installment of the 20th and Blake podcast. But before I get into all this stuff, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a teaser of what we're going to be doing in terms of our Rockies content this season for MHS. Um, listen, if you consider yourself a baseball fan, a Colorado sports fan, or just a fan of the game in general, you're going to want to keep in tune with the Mile High Sports content that we're going to be putting out in regards to our Rocky stuff. Listen, we're going to have exclusive interviews for this podcast, exclusive quotes with our feature articles, um, some really, really strong and opinionated articles in terms in the form of a column, um, some great recaps, or as we're going to call them, takeaways, trying to give you a little bit of a different perspective of the team um, on a game-by-game -game basis. So we're really trying to expand our horizons here at Mile High Sports especially with our Rockies coverage, and we couldn't be more excited. I um, actually had a meeting this morning with Nate Lundy, who is the owner, a.k.a. the head honcho of My Life Sports, as well as Luke Zalman, who's going to be um, – you know, running alongside with me this season covering the Rockies, and and we could not be more thrilled for the content that we're going to be bringing you guys throughout this season. It's going to be unique. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be you know a mixture of serious and lighthearted. We're going to cover a wide range of topics from you know why the Rockies can't seem to win a game, or why they can't hit, or why they're doing so well, to the best stadium food at Coors Field. Um, listen, we have a wide range of topics that we're going to be covering throughout the entirety of this season, and this is really just the tip of the iceberg. If you listen to the original podcast that I did from Spring Train. I kind of teased this stuff a little bit, um, but as the season has begun to get closer, we, you know, meeting with the guys, we've really kind of come up with a plan and a direction for this coming season and one that I couldn't be more excited to be a part of because I truly think that we are going to be able to put out the best premier supreme Colorado Rockies content out there on the internet. So you're going to want to check in uh, to milehighsports.com throughout the entirety of the season. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Media by AP. Going to be tweeting some live updates and some opinion about the team um, as the season gets rolling. But uh, this is the first installment of our kind of Rocky season preview podcast series. Luke and myself are going to be kind of going around the horn talking about the significant components of this Rockies club. Um, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them move. Um, and we're kind of going to just break it down from all sides. So here on the first step, episode, we're going to be talking about the Rockies starting rotation, which was one of the biggest surprises last year with the emergence of Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez as kind of the, the aces and the workhorses of that Colorado Rockies rotation. Um, but besides those two, obviously, you've got some interesting candidates in John Gray, Tyler Anderson, Chad Bettis, Jeff Hoffman. We're going to get into all of those guys here in this podcast. But yeah, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Media by AP if you want some further opinion and if you want to engage in some conversation. Uh, and also be sure to check out MileHighSports.com. We have a lot, a lot of great content up um, in all sports, in all parts of the sports spectrum. Obviously, March Madness going on right now. So read up on March Madness. Um, I know TJ McBride, who covers the Nuggets, is locking that beat down as they are set to uh, be in the playoffs for the first time in, I believe, five years. Um, the Avalanche trying to make a late surge here. Uh, listen, milehighsports.com 
is your one-stop shop for all things Colorado sports, from the preps to the pros. We have got you covered. Um, but what I have you covered in is the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I'm entering my fourth season now covering this club credentialed with my Ally Sports, so really, really looking forward to getting back to 20th and Blake to give you guys some insight and analysis on the team and how they function on a day-to-day basis. So let's get started here. And first up on our list is the hometown hero, Kyle Freeland, obviously a graduate of Thomas Jefferson High School. Uh, listen, there's been enough stories written about Freeland and his connection to Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, I think I've written about, oh man, for the magazine alone, I think I've done like two or three features on Kyle Freeland and, and all that. So listen, but if you want to know about Kyle Freeland, Kyle Freeland off of the baseball diamond, be sure to pick up a prep, uh, pick up the preps issue of Mile High Sports Magazine. I actually did a really cool feature on Kyle about his golf career while at Thomas Jefferson. And interestingly enough, Kyle actually lettered more times in golf in high school than he did in baseball, four compared to three. Um, some people actually think that if he dedicated himself and didn't go to play professional baseball, he could have actually been a professional golfer at the PGA level, which is just absurd. And, um, you know, he's a great golfer. He's a great guy. Um, really open interview. Got to talk to his high school baseball coach as well as his high school golf coach. Really, really cool story. You could pick up the copy of the magazine um, online. The story, I believe, is also posted on our online site, milehighsports.com. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in his golfing career at Thomas Jefferson at all. But I'm here to talk about baseball. Let's talk about Kyle Freeland's pitching ability. Um, he is probably right now the the most likely candidate to get that opening day start, although manager Bud Black has yet to announce his kind of plan in terms of what the Rockies are going to do um, with an opening day starter. Um, it definitely seems, based off of his year last year and his tenacity on the mound, that Kyle Freeland would get would be the guy to get that nod in Miami when they open up about a week from now. So um, he was 17-7 and seven with a 2.85 ERA last season, Kyle was, throwing a career-high 202 innings, uh, 202 and a third innings, and he finished fourth in the NL Cy Young voting last season. So obviously uh, big expectations entering this season for Freeland. Um, one of the fan favorites, a local guy, um, somebody that grew up pitching in altitude, which he's admitted, you know, has kind of helped him find the level of success that he has had at the major league level. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and to go in with that, he he went 10-2 and two with a 2.40 ERA at home and was 7-5 and five with a 3.23 ERA on the road. So interestingly enough, um, Freeland actually dominated more at home than he did on the road, which is definitely something that's got to be encouraging for Rockies fans, considering that it's usually the other way around. You know, people can't pitch a course field, but they're able to do that at, um, on the road. Whereas with Kyle, he's actually more dominant in his home state, in his home ballpark, of course, field, which is definitely going to be um, a good thing for the Rockies. And additionally, um, his like I kind of mentioned earlier, his mental toughness on the mound. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming all of you, if you consider yourself a fan, watch that wild card game against the Chicago Cubs and where Freeland just dazzled on short rest pitching six and two thirds innings um, and a two to one 13 inning win obviously he didn't get the win because it went into those extra innings but against a potent Cubs offense in Wrigley Field in the city of Chicago which has a absurd fan base for Kyle to go out on short rest in six and two or thirds innings and just dominate and blank the Cubs in the way in which he did on national TV on ESPN you know really kind of put him on the map and I know a lot of Rockies fans were kind of clamoring that he should get more support for a Cy Young uh, as a Cy Young candidate next year um, you know he has exposed himself to the baseball community now. That wild card start prepared with his year at Coors um, last year have kind of launched him to the forefront of some of the of one of the best pitchers in the game. And I think that's the expectation for him entering this year. 
Um, when I was down at Arizona, he seems pretty reserved, pretty calm. Um, his demeanor hasn't really changed much, um, despite his recent success, which I think is a great thing for the Rockies and Freeland himself as he doesn't kind of get, um, you know, too, too into himself following the kind of, uh, following the season that he had recently had, but yeah, he is going to be, you know, kind of the workhorse for this Rockies rotation along with Herman Marquez. Um, both of them are kind of interchangeable in terms of a one, two punch, but together they are, they are great and really help lead that rotation into the storm, um, coming this season. But it, it's going to be a, a big year for Freeland and the rotation in general. You know, we've seen too many times in the past that if this team can't get quality starting pitching, everything kind of collapses. You know, if you have guys going three, four innings, given up five runs every night you're obviously not going to get back to the postseason with that kind of performance but Freeland is not that guy Freeland I think you know now entering a I believe his third season has has proven you know that he has what it takes to thrive at the major league level and thrive at altitude here at Coors Field so um, I do expect him to get that opening day not obviously nothing has been announced as of yet so we'll have to see how that one plays out but he is the most polished of the bunch I would say of this Rockies rotation just a, a stud through and through a good pitch repertoire with a hard slider and a plus fastball um, you know that slider really really does damage here at altitude his breaking stuff really um, you know, it doesn't hang as much as some other pitchers do. You know, that's the biggest criticism um, of playing at Coors Field is, you know, if you throw a bad curveball, that bad curveball is worse than it would be at sea level. It, it just hangs so much. And it seems like Freeland has been able to curtail those bad pitches and really kind of sharpen himself on the mound when pitching here at altitude, which is definitely, definitely a plus sign. So, yeah, 17 and 7 last year, like I said, 285, um, 2.85 ERA last year. Um, which I believe is in the top 10 amongst National League pitchers. Um, just a guy that is now starting to enter his prime. You know, he's had two years to kind of get his feet wet at the major league level. And now entering year three with your hometown club, I, I think the sky is the limit for Kyle Freeland in terms of his pitching ability. Obviously, one thing that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on is how do pitchers adjust? You know, now two years in the league, um, pitchers are certainly going to have a, a book on you, per se. You know, they're going to know what pitches you throw. Um, they're going to be able to study you a little bit more there's more of a sample size there so we'll see if he's able to continue to make those small adjustments to remain dominant on the mound as he has um, been throughout the first two seasons of his career so um, it's really really important that Freeland steps up to the plate again this year and delivers the way that he has the past couple years obviously you can never predict injuries but they really really need him along with Marquez to stay healthy um, I know a lot of people aren't really concerned about the Rockies rotation past their one-two punch but I, I I happen to believe that you know guys like Anderson Bettis um, those guys are question marks while they have been serviceable in the past you know are they going to be durable over the course of a 162 game season which in my opinion makes the performance of Freeland and Marquez all the more more important um, you really really need those guys to step up this year and kind of lead this rotation um, into the year and put forth strong starts from the get-go so um, like I said Freeland is likely going to be that opening day starter I think based off of his track record he deserves that nod for the Rockies um, John Gray was the uh, previous opening day starter these past two seasons Marquez has never had that nod so you know it could be Marquez moving forward although right now I would definitely put my money on Freeland uh, but speaking of Marquez he's the other guy that is kind of the the front man of this Rockies rotation he is um, entering his age 24 season and is looking to win the Cy Young you know I saw a couple tweets earlier in the offseason when I wasn't down at spring training talking about how he has a high expectation for himself you know he he, he, he wants to hold himself to a high level he wants to pitch at a high level and maybe even potentially you know throw his name there in the mix for the Cy Young and maybe even capture that crown which would 
be incredible for the Rockies and Marquez himself. Um, so far throughout spring, he's been hot and cold. You know, he's had his good starts, um, but he's also kind of been a little bit erratic, according to reports. Um, a little bit of a lack in command is kind of what we've been seeing from Marquez. But you have to take everything from spring training with a massive, massive grain of salt. A, a lot of this is just players working on things that they might not necessarily do during the regular season, um, fine-tuning themselves for the regular season, and just really getting loose. So they're going to make some mistakes, but all that matters is that they don't make those same mistakes in the regular season, which more often than not is the case. So I wouldn't take any of Marquez's struggles so far in spring training and, and you know, hold them against him, per se. You know, I, I, Obviously, you're going to struggle at some point um, throughout your career, but I think he's going to be just fine when he gets to the uh, to the mound come the regular season. So um, another guy that the Rockies are definitely counting on big time. Um, he had a sub 2.5 ERA following the All-Star break last year, which was um, a really a product of his improved pitch- pitches. He really sharpened up his fastball as well as some of his other pitches, um, looked a lot more confident on the mound. Um, obviously, being 24, you know, you're not a veteran by any means at that point, but it seems like he started to mature a little bit and come into his own uh, as a pitcher. He started to own the mound a little bit more. He doesn't look as shy or, you know, a little timid of the moment and whatnot. He looks like a, he, he looks very structured and very strong when he takes the mound, which is definitely a good thing. Um, he's also kind of uh, been working on developing that slider as well, which would be big. Marquez, his career, he is 26-19 and 19 with a 4.11 ERA last year, pitching to a 3.77 ERA. Um, at twenty at twenty three years old, which is obviously a great thing, but as I kind of alluded to, the Rockies really need Marquez as well as Freeland to kind of step up and perform well out of the gate, um, considering the question marks that follow in the rotation. Um, and obviously, Marquez has a track record of being successful following these past two seasons, and seems to hold himself to that higher standard um, as well. So hopefully, Marquez can bounce back—not bounce back, but you know, follow up last year and really improve off of everything that he did last year, which was very, very impressive. Um, if Marquez and Freeland either take strides or remain the same pitchers as they were last year, the, the one-two punch of the Rockies put in the Rockies rotation is is one of the best in baseball. And you know, when you enter a five-game series or even potentially a seven-game series. You want to have at least one or two horses at the top of that rotation that you can lean on multiple times in a series. Um, so, you know, as of right now, everyone is expecting Marquez and Freeland to perform well out of the gate. Obviously, that remains to be seen. But if those two can keep keep their heads on straight and continue to perform in the manner in which they have over the past few seasons, it's only going to be a good thing for the Rockies. Um, moving on here, let's talk about John Gray, the 27-year-old John Gray, who, in my opinion, is the crux of this Rockies rotation. If John Gray is able to figure things out on the mound, get his mental toughness, figure out how to, you know, redevelop his slider as well as, you know, some of his other pitches and be really developed into more of a pitcher as opposed to a thrower, the Rockies rotation might be the best young rotation in all of baseball if John Gray can get this thing figured out. Um, he's 27 and he's drafted with the third overall pick in 2013. Um and he's kind of always been regarded as this top prospect for the Rockies, someone that they think could, uh, you know, uh, have evolved into um, their number one bona fide ace in the rotation. Obviously, we haven't seen that so far, um, but he definitely has that ability. You know, I was talking with him in spring training, and and it's well known that you know before making it to the big leagues, he didn't really have a, a pool of knowledge regarding the game of baseball. And with talking through, with talking to him in spring training, he's really gone on to kind of study the game. You know why have good how why have great pitchers been great in the past? What makes a great pitcher? Um, and he kind of he didn't compare himself to Roger Clemens, but someone that he wants to be more like is Roger Clemens. You know, steroids and whatnot. That's not part of the equation here. But 
you know, I'm going to place a fastball in one space, in one spot, and you better hit it because this is what you're going to get. You know, the ability to have that mental strength to throw your pitch and not have to worry about the hitter hitting it, putting your best foot forward. Uh, I think so much with John in terms of his struggles has been overthinking. Um, you know, before games, I think he just sits down with a stat sheet and, and tries to pitch to pitchers or pitch to hitters weaknesses as opposed to pitching to his strengths. And I think if John Gray pitches to his strengths and is able to reestablish his confidence on the mound, I think that will severely, severely improve his game moving forward, which would be absolutely phenomenal for this Rockies organization um, who kind of. I don't, I don't want to say that they lack pitching depth, but like I was saying, you know, a lot of these guys are question marks. They're hit or miss. You know, one day they're going to give you two innings, and the next they're going to give you seven shutouts. So it really, it's important for Gray to get his head on straight and be, you know, this middle of the rotation arm to kind of ride the ship per se. And additionally, um, you know, John Gray's mental strength has kind of been an issue over the past couple seasons. You know, when he when he's put in the spotlight, he doesn't really succeed. He kind of cowers in that moment. And maybe, you know, not being touted as an ace, you know, not being relied upon to be a number one or a number two starter in rotation might benefit him. You know, now he's in the middle of the rotation um, and the expectation certainly dwindles a little bit. You know, there's not as much pressure on him. So that could potentially help Gray um, entering the season. And like I said, if he can get going, it would be great, great. It would be great for the Rockies. Um, Gray went 10-4 and four with a 3.57 ERA um, in the 2017 season, which to, to this point has been his best. Um, and last year, he really, really struggled with a 12-9 and nine record with a 5.2 ERA and was actually left off the major league roster for the postseason. So, you know, that's that's not a great thing. Um, but I will say this. In talking with Gray at spring training, he was the most confident player in that clubhouse. He went to Driveline this offseason, which is located in Washington State, which is an analytically driven baseball kind of performance center. Um, Gray talked about how he went up there with uh, a fellow with some of the other Rockies pitchers, including Brian Shaw and Jake McGee, among others, and kind of just tore his pitches down to the bare bones and, you know, let the analytics guys look at the spin rate, look at the movement on the ball and kind of decide why, you know, his pitch isn't as effective as he wants it to be. How can he make his pitches more effective? And, and you know, it seems like Gray really absorbed a lot of a lot of knowledge from going to driveline and under and it seemed fulfilling for him because now he understands why pitches break a certain way, why he's missing his spots and he's able to make adjustments quicker um, is kind of what he reiterated, reiterated to me he seems more confident than he's ever been as well. Um, he, he looks strong and he looks like he's in control of his emotions and his performance. You know, he knows that if a pitch is drifting for, too far to the outside, he knows how to fix that now as opposed to the past where he kind of was just lost. Um, and additionally, the one quote that kind of stood out to me is that he says that he had a, he's refound his slider. He said something to me along the lines of, I got my slider back, um, which has obviously been his bread and butter and his complimentary pitch to his uh, power fastball. So if he can pound the zone with that fastball in, out, up, and down, and then use that wipeout slider to you know get the strikeout or get the weak contact for the double play, um, to get out of the inning, you know, that's going to be the key for John Gray moving forward. And it seems based off of his talk that he is excited to implement the new things that he's learned this offseason into this year and getting back to the pitcher that he knows he could be. You know, obviously, I'm going to proceed with caution um, because, we, you know, everything changes once the real games start and whatnot. But he claims to have been improved mentally and physically. He looks a lot stronger on the mound. 
And if he can perform, man, the Rockies rotation is going to be deep with a solid, solid one, two, three punch in Freeland Marquez and Gray. Uh, moving on here, let's talk about Tyler Anderson here for a minute. Anderson, the only lefty in the Colorado Rockies rotation, so he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt because of that. He's essentially he's essentially essential for the Rockies rotation, being that he is the lone lefty. Um, man, he is such a mixed bag because he has had such an awful spring training. I mean, he's 0-2 with a 7.71 ERA, but he's also notorious for struggling in spring training. And, and you know, like I said earlier in the pod, players struggling in spring training doesn't really mean much. It's more so how they perform in the regular season. And Anderson has certainly performed well in spurts um, at the major league level during the regular season. Uh, but he is 29 years old and he does have a long, long history of injuries, which have kind of prevented him from blossoming as a pitcher on the mound for the Rockies organization. Um, you know, but like I said, in spurts, he's been really good specifically in his one NLDS start this previous season against the, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers in which he threw six innings, allowing four hits, one run and striking out five batters. And I mean, I was there in Milwaukee covering that game and I thought the Brewers were going to just smack these, the surface off the ball. I mean, I just did not think Anderson was going to live up to it. Um, you know, but a credit to him and a tip of the cap to him, you know, he thrived in that, in that moment. Um, like I said, six innings pitched with one run, you know, in Milwaukee away from home. It was a, a gutsy performance for a Tyler Anderson there in the NLDS. And additionally, you know, he's, he's been clutch, you know, in the month of July, he three, he pitched to a 2.16 ERA. And then additionally, in the months of September and October, he pitched to a 3.25 ERA, you know, which are phenomenal numbers. So it's not a question of ability with Tyler Anderson. It's can he stay healthy and can he be consistent? Because there's too many times where he's out for you know a handful of weeks misses three or four starts and that causes a ruckus within the rotation which kind of you know stirs the pot as the season goes on and whatnot but if he can stay healthy and if he can establish that consistency on the mound by staying healthy the Rockies might have a gem in Anderson a lefty with some serious movement he's kind of got that hesitation in his delivery which kind of confuses hitters um Great pitches, really good location. It's just more so a matter of him staying on the diamond. And if he can do that, the Rockies have a really, really good option in the back end of that rotation. He could also pitch in that three slot if they wanted him to just to break up the righties and whatnot. But um, yeah, it, he he's shown that he has the ability to be a nasty pitcher at the major league level. It's just more so can he hold up over the course of a 162-game season. Um, you know, and, and that's the kind of the case with just a lot of these Rockies players, not just their pitching staff, is can these guys, you know, someone like David Dahl, can he stay healthy throughout the course of the season um, and can he produce you know we, we, these are all questions that have yet to be uh, that have remained to be seen Daniel Murphy coming off of an injury as well last year can is there going to be any lingering issues um, with that injury so it's not just the rotation the Rockies are really banking out a lot of internal growth all around the diamond to get back to the postseason for the third year in a row um, you know Anderson being one of those guys um, and you know the guy who's penciled in right now to be that fifth starter in the Rockies rotation is Chad Bettis and as of right now, like I said, he's penciled in to be that fifth starter. I don't know. I don't necessarily know if he'll end up there at the end of the year. Um, I, for one, believe that Bettis does indeed profile better as a long reliever at this point in his career. Um, and that's not a discredit to him, but I just I feel like with the lack of depth that the Rockies have in the rotation or in the bullpen, um, 
you know, paired with some of the options that they have in the minor league system to be starters, maybe it might make more sense for Bettis to make that shift to the bullpen. Um, you know, again, I'm he he's solid though, Chad Bettis. And you know, in 2016, he won 16 of his last 20 starts, rounding out the year, which was just you know that's phenomenal. You know, you would like to see that more often from Chad, but obviously he dealt with his cancer issue, which he you know thankfully beat and was able to get back on the mound. Um, you know, but last year he was really struggling to get over some blisters and that. Kind kind of inhibited his building or his um his season overall so if he can really just try figure this thing out in terms of staying healthy like anderson not dealing with those blisters you know chad bettis could be a real contributor for this rockies team um bettis started well last season with a four and one record and pitching to an era under three five so that's definitely good uh, but he did develop that blister in the middle of may and then that kind of carried over all throughout the season and he eventually was de- uh, was shifted to the bullpen in a long relief role um in which he finished, and he finished the season five and two with a five point oh one ERA. Um, so, you know, take that how you want. It wasn't the best season from Bettis last year. He's been dealing with some injuries and whatnot. But at this stage in his career, you know, does he profile better as a long reliever? In my opinion, he does. Um, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. You know, his his fastball isn't going to hit you know ninety seven, ninety eight. He's just not that kind of a pitcher. Um, and like I said, considering the lack of depth that the Rockies have in their in their rotation and the long relief setting, I think Chad Bettis really might make sense. For that, uh, for that bullpen and whatnot, you know. But if the Rockies do decide to go with him as their fifth starter, I don't think it's a bad choice by any means. Um, he, he's been doing it for a handful of seasons. He's proven that in spurts, you know, he can give you five, six quality innings a night. Um, it's just can he keep those blisters off his off his hand and just remain consistent on the mound? You know, he's also talked about um, incorporating different pitches, a new breaking pitch into his repertoire. Um, he's been working on that all throughout the spring. Um, not really sure how much he's going to use that come the season. You know, that hasn't really been decided yet, but it's something that he's been working on heavily throughout the spring training to kind of try to diversify himself as a pitcher. So that remains to be seen in terms of how it'll translate on the diamond, but he's kind of a wash in the rotation, I feel like, because he's just, he's a known commodity. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get out of Chad Bettis so long as you can stay healthy. And, you know, that's not over. It's not great, but it's not awful. You know, it's pretty average, um, you know, when he, when he's on and whatnot. He's never going to be an overpowering pitcher. You know, he'll always be a guy that can go out there and give you a solid start and keep your team in the ball games. So we'll have to see what the Rockies decide to do with that fifth spot in the rotation. But another guy that's in the running for it is Jeff Hoffman, the youngster who is the centerpiece in the trade that sent Troy Tulowitzki north of the border to the Toronto Blue Jays in, 20, in 2015. Um, and since that trade, he's bounced around between AAA Albuquerque and the big leagues over the past few seasons, um, spending a majority of that time with the AAA, with the AAA team in Albuquerque, um, working on his game, tinkering with his mechanics, and working on getting a consistent delivery down. And I actually just recently wrote a story on Hoffman for MileHighSports.com, if you want to go check that out, kind of just talking about how this is a make-or-break season for him. You know, he has been long considered a top prospect when he did you know garner the title of prospect he comes up to the major leagues and struggles with repeating his mechanics consistently um struggles with walks and you know wild pitches and all that stuff um you know but he is 26 year old he's 26 years old now so it's it's kind of time for the rockies to figure out what they have in jeff hoffman do they have a guy that can go out there every fifth day and put forth a quality start are they going to have a guy that can give you one good start in five you know the rockies in my opinion really need to figure this out which is why i think that Jeff Hoffman should really get that fifth spot over a guy like Chad Bettis. And, you know, I kind of gave my reasoning for why I think Bettis is an overall better suited for the bullpen. Um, 
You know, and part of that is I think the Rockies need to see what Jeff Hoffman can do consistently in the major league level. Obviously, he might struggle, which is something that you don't want to see, but I think it might be better to expose him to the major league level and see what you can get out of him. Because if he proves that he can be a consistent pitcher, um, you know, the, that's only going to increase the depth of the Rockies rotation. And again, the, he's 26 years old, extremely young and durable moving forward. Um, gives the Rockies a lot of options in that sense. Hoffman so far is 1-2 and two with a 5.52 earned, rat, uh, earned run average in spring training. And he is 6-9 and nine with an ERA of 5.88 in his big league career and is still looking to kind of establish that presence at the major league level, something that he has been unable to do so far. Um, you know, it was one interesting thing one interesting thing that I found out while I was down at spring training is that one of the biggest things that he was working on this offseason was his mechanics. And, you know, that's a pretty general, you know, point of emphasis for a pitcher to work on in the offseason. But Buddy Black um, did say something really, really interesting that a lot of the things that he's been working on recently are issues that, the managerial core and his coaches came to him with two years ago and said, Hey Jeff, you know, this is what you need to work on if you want to become a better pitcher. So I don't know if Jeff just didn't do it. He didn't do it right or what, but it seems like the same issues that prevented him from thriving at the major league level two years ago are the same things that, you know, have plagued him, um, you know, thus far and the things that he's been working on, you know, but with that said, buddy black has kind of talked about how he's coming along nicely. There's, there's still, you know, a lot of work to be done in terms of his delivery and his approach but overall there has been definitely some improvement with Jeff Hoffman which is a great great thing for the Rockies uh for the Rockies starting rotation um and their developmental system as a whole because I think that Hoffman um you know you're not a top prospect for no reason you, you have to have some skill and great skill at that and it, can the Rockies hone that in and, and you know have that translate to the major league level if they're able to do that that would honestly just help put this rotation over the top and you know maybe this is why I've kind of labeled the Rockies rotation as just a bunch of question marks past one and two you know, we think Freeland's going to have a good year. We think Marquez is going to have a good year. But guys like Gray and Hoffman, those are guys that could be better than Marquez and Freeland if they can get consistent, if they can establish a level of consistency on the mound. And if those guys can be remotely close to what everyone thought they would be when they came out of the Rockies minor league system, that starting rotation could be devastating devastating if you have you know your one-two punch of Marquez and Freeland mixed with a 99 mile an hour flamethrower in John Gray and then paired with the long delivery action of Jeff Hoffman you know your rotation is going to be deep it's going to be young and it's going to be powerful which are all elements of a winning franchise moving forward you know not again not to discredit Tyler Anderson but you kind of know what you're going to get with him whereas you know guys like Hoffman and Gray are more boomer bust and if you can get them to boom and establish that boom consistently oh this, I mean you, you know scoring four or five runs a game isn't going to hurt the Rockies you could score one or two runs a game and your starting rotation might be so good that that might just be enough obviously we're all expecting the Rockies to you know bounce back from what was a down year offensively um last year but obviously starting pitching is one of the keys to winning a world series and getting past the point in the postseason in which the rockies have currently been to so it's a lot of question marks like i've been saying throughout this podcast the rockies have kind of been banking on that internal growth all throughout the season we'll have to see if it translates but you know like i said john gray is the crux of this rotation and I think Chad Bettis could really really help out in the back end of that bullpen while a guy like jeff hoffman might be able to slide in at the tail end of that rotation and make a big, big impact to help push this uh, team and rotation over the top. So it's going to be an exciting year down at 20th and Blake. They obviously start the season in Miami and I believe they travel to Tampa. Lucky them. They're going to get back to back series of the, you know, the nice sunny warm state of Florida um, to get the season underway against, you know, let's be honest here. The Miami Marlins aren't, you know, 
the cream of the crop when it comes to franchises in terms of winning as well. So, you know, maybe a nice opportunity for the Rockies to find their footing early and then going to Tampa Bay, which was, you know, one of the better teams in the American League last year, um, despite playing in that stacked American League East division. So only time will tell to see how this rotation and the Rockies franchise perform on the field this year. Uh, one thing that is known is they have a really, really good one-two punch in Marquez and Freeland. Everything behind them is kind of question marks. But if those other options, Anderson, Bettis, Hoffman, Gray, if they're able to figure it out and develop into strong big-time pitchers at the major league level, the Rockies will have the best young starting rotation in the game, which will only further their chances of making it to a World Series and maybe capturing a World Series title for the first time in franchise history, which is definitely something that everybody would like to see who are fans of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Yeah, I'm Anil Apiro. That's going to wrap it up today for this edition of the 20th and Blake podcast. We're going to have many more coming out throughout the season. Um, We're going to have a preview about the infield, the outfield, um, the bullpen, Nolan Arenado. Listen, we're going to be talking about everything. I'm really, really excited to get started this season. It's going to be a good one um, for us here at MyLife Sports. Um, Be sure to check us out online at MyLifeSports.com and also be sure to follow me on Twitter at MediaByAP if you want to get connected with the podcast or any of my writing um, or if you have any questions in general about the team you know I'm definitely more than happy to throw out a tweet or a comment or a DM if you want to just chat and talk some baseball you know I'm a baseball fan baseball lover and you know can't get enough of it so really excited to get going here in a little bit as this as uh, springtime is upon us should be a good year um, again be sure to follow me on Twitter at media by AP and on Twitter at my sports my the whole crew um, Ronnie K Luke Zalman all the guys so it's gonna be a good year Um, Definitely looking forward to it at 20th and Blake, but uh, that's going to do it for me, folks. We'll talk to you next time.